Hello and welcome to Condensed Histories, the podcast that takes pop culture and reveals the real history underneath. I'm your host, Jim Daduchu, and what we're doing this time round is something a little bit different. You could argue almost it's current affairs, but I'm going to say it's very recent history, alright? Because I've been thinking. So you may remember in 2018, at the height of sort of Marvel mania, if you like, Avengers Infinity War comes out. And, spoiler for a film that's now five years old, at the end of it all, there is a defeat for the Avengers, because Thanos is able to do the snap. The event, as it's actually called in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where he clicks his fingers and he makes 50% of the universe's population disappear because that's a way to ensure the rest of the population has enough resources to live. Although a number of people have pointed out, surely if it's that powerful and he can do whatever he wants with the Infinity Gauntlet, then surely he could just snap his fingers and double the amount of resources for everybody and that would be the same thing. But anyway, the idea was to give the baddie a kind of motivation that we can sort of understand rather than just sitting there cackling going ha 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 I'm so evil. It was a huge huge monster hit and then everybody started thinking we had to wait a year before we got Avengers Endgame in 2019 and at the beginning of that we see them thwarting Thanos after the case and then it sort of fades to black and then it says five years later and then the rest of the movie involves timey-wimey stuff. It's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. And basically they're able to defeat Thanos before he snaps his fingers, and then we see the death of Iron Man, the ultimate sacrifice to bring back 50% of the population, and everybody is returned, and there's lots and lots of people sort of saying... This is a great idea, but the more you think about it, the harder and more complicated it gets. And this is sort of mentioned in things like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but practical things like apparently everybody appears again where they last were. You see this in Spider-Man Far From Home, for example, where you suddenly see the basketball team appear in the middle of the basketball pitch. It's like, that's fine. But as some people pointed out, there would have been thousands of people flying on airplanes, so they now appear in midair with no plane around them, and they plunge to the deaths, maybe. And of course, all the universe, all the galaxies, you know, 50% of the universe's population. So, how many people were doing space flight or walking through a doorway or getting on a train or, or whatever? So, the more you think about it, the more it's like, mm, writers kind of wrote themselves into a bit of a corner there, didn't they? But it got me thinking, because a year later, when it said five years later, the idea was enough times passed that the world has started to heal and people have started to get on. If you like, we're past the initial shock of the bereavement of being left without our loved ones, and we see this with some of the Avengers. But there's also a feeling like it's not that long. Five years isn't that much. But I'm going to say that if the snap actually happened in 2018. Hello, everybody. If you're listening to this when this comes out, welcome to 2023. And what does that mean? It means if this had been a real thing, 2023 is when everybody comes back again, 
and we would have to explain to them what's happened in the last five years. And that is, if you like, the core of this particular episode, okay? So I kind of want to point out, and obviously you know that there are several really big things that have happened in the last five years that to explain it to somebody who just hasn't been here, who has seen no context, there's going to be an element of, are you kidding me? Really? But I'm going to say that this is an example where we're now at the point with news cycles and the idea of, like, getting international news sort of pouring in. It's really, really hard to keep up with current affairs. And indeed, what I'm going to be talking about, you could get people turning around and saying, this is very Western bias. This is very much a European-centric view of the world, Gem. I take your point. I don't know what's really been happening in Indonesia, which is the most populous Muslim country in the world, for the record. It's a very important country. Doesn't get a lot of coverage in the West. So this is going to have an interesting time with this, I, I promise you. The other thing I wanted to do, and the other thing that's really interesting about this, is, again, with Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, Endgame became for a while the biggest grossing movie of all time there was then a re-release of avatar leading up to avatar 2 the way of water that meant that avatar the original eventually overtook again infinity war and endgame in terms of their money endgame specifically so yeah avatar's still number one but then again if you're going to start factoring in inflation well, avatar was always going to beat infinity war and endgame but at the same time if we're going to factor in inflation it's gone with the wind that that beats everything else hands down but anyway let's not get into all of that the thing was that in 2018-2019 marvel it was just a license to print money by then everybody had to see the next thing and um, the first difference during the snap period if you like from 2018 to 2023 is marvel has undeniably lost its luster now I am not trying to get a lot of... This is not clickbait, if you like. By now, I don't know, five minutes into the podcast, this is the wrong place to sort of put something edgy or anything like that. I said it's lost its luster. It's not critical or anything like that. But undeniably, the movies that came out in 2020 and 2021, things like Black Widow, Shang-Chi... The Eternals, these films all undeniably underperformed. Now, you can absolutely say that we've got to factor in COVID with that, and indeed, we've got Scarlett Johansson, who actually took Disney to court because this was meant to have a cinematic release, and I believe it was brought out in some markets simultaneously on Disney+, and also in the theatres, and therefore she was obviously not going to get the cut of the profits that she should have done if it had all just gone out into the theatres, and I take your point there. But the problem with at least two of those films is they just weren't very good. In the case of Black Widow, she'd already died. There will be lots of spoilers for Marvel, by the way, but again, we're sort of five years on from all of this. You, If you're into this stuff, you already know this stuff. I'm not the first person to break this to you, okay? So, Black Widow was already dead. If the Black Widow movie had come out in, let's say, 2016, and there was no reason why it couldn't have done so, then brilliant. You know, Florence Pugh would have been introduced to the world a little bit sooner. Great, wonderful with that. 
but also we would have cared. But we've now seen a character that's been dead for a year, year and a half in, in terms of real time, and therefore there's no stakes because it's all done in the past. We know she's going to live, and yet there's also this sense that she's always going to die as well. So that was just sort of bad timing. The film itself was fine, okay? It wasn't a bad movie, but it was not certainly not the best that Marvel's done. Shang-Chi really, really enjoyed, but it was, you know, Shang-Chi is not a well-known Marvel property. Indeed, there's problems with how ethnically insensitive it was when it came out in the 1970s at the height of the kind of kung fu karate craze that was happening in cinema, and comic books were going to start imitating that as well. But then we come to Eternals, which again, you get some people going, oh, you know, this is sort of like just trying to be edgy. You know, it's introducing a gay superhero and oh, look at the sort of like ethnic divide. And, oh, it's so woke. That's why it failed. No, no, it didn't. It failed because it's not a very good movie. And I do not understand the logic, which by the time Eternals came out, they'd already started doing Marvel TV shows. You're introducing 10 new superheroes in a two-hour movie who, by the way, the reason why they're called Eternals is they've lived forever and they sort of help out with human evolution or human civilization improvements and technological improvements. So you see them in places like ancient Babylon with the sort of ancient Sumerians and things like that. It's a brilliant idea, but that's a lot to introduce all those characters, give them all something interesting to do, and oh yeah, have a plot as well. That's why it failed. And I don't know anybody. That's one of the few I've never even seen. But I don't know anybody who's turned around and who's who's genuinely seen it, including my kids. Who said, "Oh, Dad, you got to watch that one." It 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 just it was a misfire. Simple as that. The absolute peak of post snap movies was Spider Man again, No Way Home. But there's a big, huge asterisk to that, because, about getting too technical now, back in the 1990s, Marvel was kind of bust, so they started selling off the film rights, because, basically, these things were very hard to turn into a pleasing movie. CGI was still in its infancy in the 1990s. And so Sony picked up the rights for Spider-Man, and then Marvel's ended up being hoovered up by Disney, and Disney's hoovered up all kinds of IPs, but Sony is still very happy with how Spider-Man's doing, and Spider-Man has been allowed into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and there's basically a profit share on these Spider-Man movies, where Disney gets about a third of it, third of the profits, but Sony gets the lion's share, and the reality is what made Spider-Man No Way Home such an event is it didn't lean heavily on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It leaned very heavily on the Spider-Man Sony movies of the last 20 years. So that's what made it special and wonderful and seeing Andrew Garfield, who basically, when the Marvel Cinematic Universe wanted Spider-Man to come into their universe, basically said, you're not allowed to use Andrew Garfield anymore. So it was Disney that killed off the Andrew Garfield. So to see him return was just lovely and touching. And... Yeah, and Tobey Maguire obviously is a little bit older now, but the seeing the three of them together was sort of like sharing a moment of seven movies and just 20 years of, of loveliness. And it, it was great, and you could tell I was a big fan. So was everybody else. It was the biggest hit of 2021, and it was the biggest hit in Phase 4. The, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is chopped up into phases. Most of them phases finish around 
a kind of Avengers movie. Now, I, I, I did say literally finished online, and a bunch of people went, um, uh, actually, Iron Man 3, which was after Avengers finished off Phase 1. And But you get my point. The point is, the Avengers film kind of is the icing on the cake, and there's no doubt that when you've got something like Avengers Endgame and Infinity Wars, that's really sort of wrapping it up. Yes, there might have been a Spider-Man movie after that that kind of ties up a few loose ends, etc. But please take my point rather than being annoying about this. The thing about Phase 4 is Disney by now has got the TV shows, as I said, and some of those, to really understand everything going on, in theory, you should be watching everything. And that's suddenly turning into homework. And undeniably, there's been some great Marvel TV shows. Loki's great, and Loki is obviously very key in the area of perhaps more Phase 5 than Phase 4, but, you know, setting up a bunch of different things. There's going to be another series of the Loki TV show, so that's great, and that makes sense. But then you got the Marvels, which generally didn't get viewed a lot, and did bring in the idea of the X-Men mutant gene into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now that they own Fox, they can do that. And... That's going to be important later on, but a lot of people said, yeah, it's fine. It's fine, okay? It's it's not a great TV show, it's fine. Perhaps the best of 2022 was Moon Knight. Real surprise there, but Moon Knight didn't lean very heavily on any kind of MCU stuff. It had very little passing comments, but it was kind of its own thing. But then you got perhaps the one that leans heaviliest into the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Falcon and Winter Soldier which was staggeringly average. It was a real worry when they turned around and said, yeah, we based the banter on these two people who haven't spent a lot of screen time together in any of the movies previously. We're going to base them on Riggs and Murtaugh from Lethal Weapon movies. And it's like, look, whatever you may think of Mel Gibson, he has charisma by the bucket loads, particularly in the 80s and 90s, okay? You know, he may have been a terrible human being outside of the screen. It's a classic example of separate the art from the artist, okay? But undeniably, with him and Danny Glover, there's just endless oozing charisma between the two of them. In fact, in Lethal Weapon 3, it takes quite a lot of time for that film to actually bring in the plot. And I'd only noticed about 25 minutes and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I guess there's got to be a bad guy for them to take down. I would happily have watched in, right, let's say, 1992 just a two-hour movie of the two of them just patrolling LA, just bickering and chatting about stuff. They were that easygoing, and I'm sorry, not even close between Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And their bickering felt incredibly forced, and at the end, the big speech about bringing back the people who've just you know, disappeared during the snap and come back again, this huge, long speech by the Falcon, who is now Captain America, it was just sort of sanctimonious. So what do you expect us to do? Try harder. It's like, oh, that, that's a useful bit of feedback there on the logistics and politics and reality of dealing with something like that. Also, you got something like She-Hulk, which, you know, was just trying to be an out-and-out -out comedy with a sort of story of the week kind of thing, which either you like comedy or you don't. It wasn't generally that well-received. And the final part of She-Hulk, where she breaks the fourth wall, like Deadpool, but even more so than Deadpool, where she literally comes out onto the Disney Plus menu and starts talking to the AI that writes Marvel stories. Well, A, that's highly disrespectful to the writers, surely, or maybe it's an admission that you're running out of ideas. Either way, that's an interesting direction to take. But to have a character that's that aware that they're in a story... 
bringing She-Hulk into anything moving forwards for Phase 5, that's going to be a problem if she's going to start snarking into the screen. Don't forget, Deadpool technically is part of the MCU, but even if he does appear in any kids' movies, and let's face it, he's not exactly kids-friendly, it'll be a little wink, a little bit of knowing Ryan Reynolds' kind of sarcasm and snark, rather than, well, like She-Hulk did, literally leave the story to change the ending. Oh my god. Anyway, so... I'm going to say that there's been, you know, what was absolutely bulletproof and ironclad before the snap, actually one of the biggest changes, at least to entertainment at least, was how much Marvel's kind of gone off the boil with some interesting choices. I mean, I guess 10 out of 10 for coming up with something different, but they haven't exactly paid off. Now, as I said, so Eternals and Shang-Chi and Black Widow, they didn't make enough money to be considered hits. I'm sure overall Marvel's fine, by the way, and Disney's doing okay. But then we get to things like the Doctor Strange 2 Multiverse of Madness, which nobody thought was the best film out there, but even then it still grossed close to a billion dollars. Now, that's a lot more than the first Doctor Strange, but seeing he'd only just been six months earlier in the Spider-Man Far From Home, sorry, No Way Home movie, which grossed, you know, close to two billion, that was considered a little bit of a disappointment even though it made tons of money. The Thor 4 movie, that also made quite a lot of money, but because it was so loose and there was so much money spent on making that and sort of ad-libbing in a special effects heavy movie, that's not a good idea. Taika Waititi, I like you in many different areas, but I think you got a little ahead of yourself. Ad-libbing and vibing is fine in an indie film. It's not good in a hundreds of millions of dollar movie which also didn't make a lick of sense the moment that you stepped out of the cinema, but it did okay. It grossed slightly more than Thor Ragnarok, but because of its cost, it couldn't be turned around to be, say, it, it blew the doors off or anything like that. So we're at the point now where the, the Marvel movies just aren't the sort of surefire winner that they were. We're all waiting for another Avengers movie. The TV shows vary wildly in quality. I haven't even mentioned Hawkeye, which did bring in... Florence Pugh's Black Widow-type assassin into it briefly, and also showed Daredevil and Kingpin, well, Daredevil actually appeared in She-Hulk, and also in Spider-Man No Way Home. So anyway, they're setting up all this stuff, but it doesn't necessarily have the same payoffs. And so, again, talking to a Marvel fan in 2018 and say, this is the state of it in 2023, it's going to be a palpable sense of disappointment, because after the epic galaxy-wide peril of Thanos. It will take them time to build things up, but they clearly have no direction at the moment, and Kang has only been mentioned in passing, or had a bit of a conversation in Loki, which was interesting, but setting it up for something that, years later, still hasn't actually happened. So I think I'm probably going to be going back to the Marvel stuff in a bit, but let's look at the world, and what's genuinely happened since the snap, as it were. So, unfortunately, the news isn't generally good news, if you like, but in 2018, there was the highly controversial assassination and execution and disposal of the body of Jamal Khashoggi, who was a Saudi Arabian journalist who seems to have been killed by the Saudi Arabian government in Turkey. So, that was shocking and appalling. You might well remember the event, but you go... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Really? That was five years ago? Yes, it was. You've also got the wedding of Harry and Meghan. Done a whole episode on that. So, yeah, you want to know more about that, then then there we go. So that happened in 2018. It all came kind of crashing down. Not the marriage, but the relationship with the royal family in 2020, right at the beginning of 2020. That's only sort of two years. So, you know, trying to explain that to people. Go, hey, you, you know how those two were going to fall in love and sort of be part of the royal family? Yeah, they're, they're now living in L.A. and they don't have the title of HRH anymore. So that's a thing. Sadly, there were various massacres, gun violence, Parkhurst being perhaps the most notorious one in America. Then in 2019, there was the Christchurch massacre at the mosque in New Zealand. So sorry about that. There was also the last stronghold of ISIS in Syria was taken by the Kurds in 2019. Do you remember when everybody was talking about ISIS and how it was like an existential threat to the West? kind of gone to the wayside now really hasn't it so you know we're moving into 2019 in 2019 we had Theresa may she announced that she was stepping down and boris johnson became prime minister of the uk and also ran an election in the same year which led to a massive victory for boris johnson and his conservative party out in india you had modi he gets re-elected in india I just feel the need to sort of like put that one in and just briefly back to 2018 again and russia the thing i sort of forgot to mention a minute ago was there was the poisoning using some very interesting nerve agents and radioactive material in salisbury in england an attempt to bring down a double agent of russia in Salisbury, a very sleepy town, and, and there was this big manhunt to try and get the Russian assassins who managed to make it back to Russia in the same year that Russia hosted the World Cup football game stuff. So Russia really has been pushing its luck recently. So those are sorts of things that have been happening in 2018 and 2019, which was sort of, I guess, at the same time as these last two big Avengers movies happening. And then we move into 2020, and obviously we all know what happens then. We get to COVID. And going back again to the snap and the idea of like 50% of the population has been wiped out, it is interesting re-watching Endgame because the sort of like the quietness of New York City and the solemnness that's what 2020 was like. It was sort of presaged in a sci-fi action superhero movie a year earlier. They absolutely nailed the tone of 2020 in that year. What's interesting is in the movie Glass Onion, the Netflix one, we're about to like murder mystery starring Daniel Craig, those knives out being the first one, that was released in movie theatres for just like a week and then was put on Netflix a few weeks later. It's set at the height of the pandemic in May 2020. And so you've got people wearing masks and you can see in restaurants everyone's eating outdoors and there's the little pumps for like hand gel around. And I mean, that's when it was filmed basically, but it's very much of its time. And I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine. We were walking around just after the first lockdown, two of us socially separated, walking around sort of the Docklands area of, of London, very busy part of London, utterly dead at that time. It was beautiful weather. 
two of us were walking around and just having a chat or catching up and sort of making that connection. And I was saying, it's like, isn't it going to be weird if we don't see anybody with masks on in movies? Because if it's trying to reflect the real world, then we need to have these sorts of things. And he said, Jem, people will forget. And I wasn't so sure about that because it was just such a huge thing for two years, basically. But he was right because now watching this stuff, it's sort of like, oh, yeah, I remember. You might be sitting there going, well, hang on, I've, I've tuned in for like a history podcast. You know, why are we talking about only five years? But as I was mentioning things like Khashoggi or Christchurch massacre or or whatever, could you remember the actual year? Maybe some of those events you completely forgot about, but could you remember the actual year? And that's the thing that we are nowadays, we get so much information and I've just picked real key moments but we all know that on social media there's people sort of screaming and shouting at each other. Almost everything is a conspiracy to one group. You know, we're all sheeple if we believe the mainstream media and whatever. So, you know, pick your flavor of conspiracy theory. There's going to be something out there sort of telling you how wrong you are and how what you thought happened didn't actually happen. Yeah, with regrets, there's all that kind of stuff. But... The problem is nowadays is there's so much information. I feel sorry for historians in like 150 years time who want to talk about the politics of the early 21st century because there'll be so much. It'll be the first time you start getting sort of social media videos and things like that. I really like there are a number of visual politics and you've got TLDR News. These are two YouTube channels that are obviously created by people who are not members of CNN or BBC or something like that. But they take their journalism seriously. And I always enjoy listening to their videos because, or watching their videos, because quite often, particularly with visual politics, they talk about elections in Peru. And it's sort of like, OK, I know nothing about the politics in Peru. And you can tell by the way they're sort of showing you on one hand there's this, on the other hand there's that. They are being even-handed. This is not a propaganda piece for the left or the right or whatever. Although visual politics, please, please, please check your pronunciation of things. It's like something basic like a frigate, OK, which is a military vessel. It's a frigate, OK? And if you're English, you should be able to pronounce that. And please don't call the country of Chile, Chile, because that annoys them. So, guys, your research is impeccable. Your pronunciation is sometimes off. But I, I love you guys. Thank you. Keep up the good work. But that's the thing. These people who are basically, if you want to be critical about it for a moment, they're amateurs. They're amateurs actually doing a better job than some of the news agencies. But those amateurs couldn't have existed a 100 years ago. There was no way for them to get their news out there to a mass audience or indeed to gather the information like you can do courtesy of the Internet. The Internet is a tool. And like our first tool of like harnessing fire, it can it can keep us warm. It can create light and darkness, but it can also burn. And that's the thing about humanity. Almost anything that can be used as a weapon has been used as a weapon for further information history all of it <laughs> okay so this is the thing you know if we're looking at events from let's say a thousand years ago there may only be two or three chronicles that talk about it sometimes there'll only be one chronicle that mentions something in passing and 
That's all you got. You got one sentence to work from. You know, one of my favorite examples of this is the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle. Now, if you don't know what that is, you have this guy called King Alfred, who's sometimes referred to as Alfred the Great. He was not king of England. He was king of Wessex, which was like southern England. And he had to fight the Vikings and eventually managed to push back the Vikings, which had invaded huge tracts of the British Isles. So well done him. He was also quite a great learner as well. He improved the Navy, created a form of timekeeping using candles, and he asked, basically, holy men, the only people who were literate at the time, to start creating a summary of the year's events. You know, kind of like you do at, like, the end-of-year roundup on CNN or something like that. This was created by Alfred the Great, in the 9th century AD, okay? So uh, that's pretty impressive. But the thing is, though, basically from the time of Alfred or just before, we got something every year, even if it's just a paragraph of information. But that's the thing, it's summarising the whole of... Well, I mean, sometimes they make reference beyond Britain, but they're, let's call it England, even though at the time England did not exist. They're basically summarising everything that happened in England in one paragraph, and that's all we've got. And sometimes there's a battle between, like, the Anglo-Saxons and the Vikings, and the entire clash is summarised in two lines, and there's a reference to a place that we've got no idea where it is in the map. So we know the battle happened, and we know that the Vikings seem to have won there. But when they say, and the, the English feared left in good order, or something like that, that implies that, the, you know, they didn't run away. But it could they could be that they're just lying. It's sort of like, well, we can't write down that we ran away like chickens. Let's just say we left the battlefield in good order. You could argue it either way. But the great thing is, they decided to do a deep dive into history and they started pulling things from the bible and other available information at that time and they go all the way back to the time of jesus so you know you're getting suddenly 850 years worth of history before the creation of the actual anglo-saxon chronicle and there's sometimes gaps of decades or there is one line it's all like in this year saint bloody blah was born that's it that's apparently the only thing that happened in the british isles in that year and so it's it's wonderfully loose and you know sort of gappy and and just that's not acceptable nowadays but at the same time there's this glut and we have to be careful like i say i like things the bbc i think is a good example because there are times when you get left-wing people screaming at it for being completely biased for like a conservative right-wing government and then you'll get the right-wing government screaming at them for being sort of like too woke and liberal and lefty and it's like i'm going to say if both sides of the political spectrum are shouting at the bbc they're probably on balance getting it right you know giving you a pretty even-handed view of the situation and that is of course just my opinion i think in america it's much harder to get that kind of stuff you can get better information from certain news networks than others i can't watch msnbc because it is so anti-republican that at times i mean while it's actually talking about news at least unlike fox but it's sometimes so partisan it's just sort of like this is just a different flavor of bias that i would be getting if i was watching fox news or, or something like that so my problem is that you really you know in history you want to be as unbiased as possible. And I think that in the news, if you're going to be saying that there's a hurricane that's happened in the Caribbean or whatever, I need to know where did it land? 
What's his death toll? What's happening next? Have emergency services sort of like arrived on the scene? Is the water back up and all this kind of stuff? I don't need any political spin on this whatsoever. And it's just like, give me the facts. Again, this is something that, that people complain about with the BBC. It's like it's it's a bit dry, a bit dull. It's like, well, that's better than doing news as entertainment, at which point you start naturally just putting your opinion in there as well. So going back to the snap and what's happened, of course, moving forwards in time, I've done 18, 19, and then 20. It's COVID, basically. And oh, yeah, Harry and Meghan leave the royal family. But, you know, that's the the really big news of 2020. Then 2021, COVID continues. And indeed, we get sort of like an evolution of COVID. We get Omicron sort of like breaking out as well. And then in 2021, obviously on January 6th, there was the Capitol riots. Again, you know, news outlets will call it different things. But there's no doubt that a huge bunch of people that shouldn't have been there broke into the Capitol, something that didn't happen in the US Civil War and started trashing the place and multiple people died in that riot which is not a good thing so if you're saying that you're pro law and order but you're willing to hit a cop over the head because you've got to get in there to stop the steal you're the bad guy just let you know on that one and then in 2022 the thing is covid was continuing my family had only just recovered over the christmas period with a bout of covid for all of us masks were still being worn and people were still coming in and dipping in and out of the office and things like that but then ukraine happened and as the joke occurred in 2022 it's like say what you want about putin but he did cure covid because suddenly covid was not being talked about covid had been front page news for basically two years and then because of ukraine suddenly that sort of pushed to the wayside but because of these new cycles i keep talking about Zelensky has had to try and keep the Ukraine war front of mind in all these countries that have their own elections and their own problems and oh yeah their energy prices and food prices are going up because of the Ukraine war he has to try and keep this war in front of mind and also keep getting support and on top of the Ukraine war Putin got an interesting surprise just over a year into it when the ICC declared him basically up for arrest for crimes against humanity so changing the complete dynamic we now have a world leader that in theory needs to be arrested if he lands in any of the countries that recognizes the icc a huge difference to 2018 when he's welcoming in the world cup so that's a summary of 2022 if you like oh yeah there was another world cup this time in qatar and there was a french election by the way that macron managed to win there's all these sort of bigger things that have been happening. There was sadly a massive flood in Pakistan that killed over a thousand people. If you want sort of like news a, a little further afield, sorry about that. Like I say, news tends to be bad news. And regrettably, while we're on the subject, Pakistan was bad. But what happened in March or early 2023 in southeastern Turkey and northern Syria was an earthquake of the magnitude of 10 times the amount of death and destruction. And then in the summer of 2022, there was that massive heat wave. Interestingly, in 2018 in Western Europe, it was hit by the beast from the east, incredibly cold temperatures, although that was beaten in 2022 with this sort of another huge drop in temperatures at the end of the year. But in 
the middle of the year, we suddenly had the hottest temperatures of the year. A reminder that global warming and sort of climate change is a real thing. But again, it gets pushed down the list of requirements when we're seeing Kiev being bombed by Iranian drones flown in from Russia, which sounds like a bad plot from a an action movie from the 1990s. But here we are. This is this is the world we live in now. And and now we're into 2023. There'll be other things that, that happen. I mean, right at the end of 22, there was the death of sort of like three important people, Vivian Westwood in fashion, Pele in football, and Pope Benedict XVI, who was the previous pope, the first pope to have actually stepped down from the papacy in 600 years, which makes it a historical moment. So he wasn't actually the Pope at the time. He was the Pope Emeritus, is what the title they gave him, and he passed away at the end of 22. Now, what's interesting about those three is, you know, who's more important? And it's impossible to to show. It shows you how specialised human civilization has been. Vivian Westwood would have been lousy at football, but Pelé was it was all about himself he didn't produce something for other people to wear like vivian westwood and then of course you got religion religion is still an vitally important thing in the 21st century the single largest religious group in the world are christians and the largest part of christianity is still catholicism whatever you may think of that so it, it's fascinating that when we, we put all this stuff together and, and as one comedian said in 2022 i'm fed up with unprecedented events could we please have some precedented ones and i feel for him because it absolutely feels that way in the world at the moment and so i don't know if the world will ever calm down because you know what i'm not sure the world ever truly is calm but there does seem to be a lot of world-changing events happening at the time and those five years that was just a throwaway line from a writer in probably 2016 when you know it's going to be a five-year gap and then it turns out that in those five years actually some very very big events did genuinely happen oh just one other aside in 2022 in britain if you're not aware we had the shortest reigning prime minister ever uh that was liz truss we were highly unusually we had three prime ministers in the same year and uh, Liz Truss did not last long. In fact, there was a joke from one of the newspapers about, will this lettuce last longer than Liz Truss? And again, going back to the left and right wing stuff, most people turn around and said, actually, the lettuce is still looking pretty good. But there was uh, some right winger saying, well, if you look at it, it's actually sort of, sort of browning around the edges. It's sort of like, OK, but take the point that she... It, there's a debate to be had as to which lasts longer, a lettuce or a prime minister, that's not normal in British politics. So, yeah, a lot's happened in the last five years. Who knows what the next five years brings? I hope things slow down a little bit. Just just a little bit. Can we have a little less war and plague, please? Can we? Can we? Thank you. It is interesting how, in history, the further back you go, the le- the less of these events are actually captured. And certainly since the rise of social media... It's just everywhere. And on the point of social media, I'm at Jem Deducci on Twitter. I'd love to get your thoughts on this slightly unusual episode. Also, I'm going to say, please give us a review. I'm seeing a few get sort of like pop up. People are enjoying it. Thank you very much for everybody who's given it a review on whatever podcast thing you're listening on. It helps to spread the word. And I even had one person come up and say, oh, I heard your advert. Uh, over the over the summer it's like thank you thank you well you know we did try and promote it a little bit and the numbers are definitely up 
So yes, if you're newish to the podcast, hello and welcome. Otherwise, I will see you soon. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.